Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode of the Pre-Order Bonus. It's me, Cameron Warren, serenading you with my beautiful, beautiful vocals alongside. You can't replace him. You can't beat him at Dark Souls. And you can't... Uh, I've, I'm losing it, Jake. I'm sorry. It's Jake Price. He's here, <laughs> as always. Uh, man, I don't know. I'm laughing. I was going to like come in with the okay. least serenading voice possible just, to, to say something. I just want to bring this up to say that I saw on Twitter today that somebody just 100%ed Dark Souls 3 with a Dance Dance Revolution pad. Yes. And so I feel like that's the next logical prog- progression for you. Is that seem appropriate? Uh, man, if I had any sense of coordination in my body. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was... Um, that's somebody who I actually follow on Twitch, Miss Killionaire. Yeah, I'd use a dance pad to beat every single boss, including all DLC bosses in Dark Souls 3. Hats off to ya. Sounds miserable. To me, that feels like an epic case of super boredom. <laughs> because, because I feel like you would have to reach a kind of very intense level of boredom to decide that you're going to push the envelope of something that far beyond what it's meant to be pushed, right? Something, something. I mean, amazing skill. I can't, I can't even get through DDR with a DDR dance pad. So, I mean, like, that's just wild to me. There's actually somebody else I follow on Twitch, uh, Strawberry. She be um, Hollow Knight with her feet, with her feet on a controller, which is wild. Well, you know what? I beat Sekiro <laughs> once. So With your hands. I, I'm a god gamer. You know what? With a controller. So People out there, just well, crazy Jake, coordinated, crazy talented. Jake, it's time to talk about video games again. It's been another week. We talked about Batman last time. It was a good conversation about your you know, really invalid opinions on that game. <laughs> um <laughs> Speaking of which, speaking of invalid opinions, I got a bone to pick with our Discord because it's just <laughs> flying off the handle at this point. I mean, we're, I mean, I don't even know what world we live in. You know, I feel like, I feel like our Discord, I, I need more recruits. So if you're listening to this, you're not part of the Discord. I feel like statistics is on my side. So the more people we add, the more that I will become correct. Okay. In every opinion just, that I have. Just to clarify for our listeners, um, we got into another discussion on Breath of the Wild. This happens like at least once a month, I feel like, in our Discord. Here's the deal. Cameron has a very like level-headed opinion and approach on this game. I'm the shill, but I was magically able to deflect all criticism towards Breath of the Wild towards Cameron. So I have been just hiding in the shadows of Discord laughing as Cameron's taken all this heat <laughs> for being a defender of Breath of the Wild. So there's currently a mutiny in the Discord. If you would like to support Cameron in, you know, defending his innocence in the matter, uh, or if you just like to hop on the bandwagon, the link is below. The link is in the description. Come, come join us and defend the advanced gaming talk that is taking place, the high fidelity <laughs> gaming conversation. Well, maybe actually low fidelity. We want to elevate it. So that's what we need more people for. <laughs> but Jake, it's been a week since we talked Batman. Um, 
some video games have released. One in particular, a game called Sifu. Game called Sifu. Which, which you and I have been talking about a little bit. Um, so reviews came out on this one a little bit more divided than I think we were expecting. The main criticisms being that the game is too hard. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. And this is coming from people who are big, like big Dark Souls people have come out and said this game is just too hard. Mm -hmm. And and so I was on the fence a little bit, but I ended up because I had a $10 coupon on the Epic Game Store and I knew that I could get my money back if it was just not clicking within the first few hours. So I picked this game up and I'm actually really digging Hmm. it. I'm digging this game quite a bit. I actually think you would really enjoy it, Jake. It's... It's very much Sekiro vibes mechanically. Right, okay. Which is great. And it and aside from that, what it feels like to me is basically like the best arcade game you've ever played. Um, Interesting. And I say that in the sense that like some of the difficulty that has been mentioned in reviews I think is a teeny bit overstated. I'll just quickly explain one mechanic. So for people okay. listening to this, this game just came out. If you're on the fence... Let me just give my two cents because I think we may in the future end up having an episode depending on where Jake goes yeah. with this. But um, I'll just say like, so there's an aging mechanic. So the big controversy is that when you die and it is extremely easy to die in this game because the mechanics are, are, are challenging. Like there's, I'll just give one example of the blocking mechanic, which you have to use constantly. If you hold the block button and you push the, uh, and you push the stick in a certain direction, you will move in that direction to avoid an attack. But you have to move in the opposite direction of the attack where it's taking place. Right, okay. And it's not super easy to understand exactly where like any given enemy is going to attack you from, whether that's high, uh, low, left, right. Okay. And so it's a lot of like random pattern memorization at an even higher level than like a Dark Souls because you have to notice four or five different directions and then block accordingly because if you get hit once, twice, three times, like you could be knocked out instantly. And what happens when you get knocked out is your age goes up. Right. And then when you hit like 75-ish years old, that's a game over. And that's kind of where the arcade mechanic comes in. So within each level, you can just continue to age, 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 age if you're dying. And so what what wasn't explained well to me, though, is that if you're able to beat a level at a certain age, your guy will then remain that age onto the next level. Okay. And then you've kind of beat the first level at that oh, age. So there's kind of like a checkpoint system. So there's a little bit of a checkpoint system, yeah. So like right now, I'm saved with my guy at age 27 for the club, which is the second level. Okay. So basically, what I'm doing is just trying to beat the club at as low age as I feel like is is achievable. Right. For me. Okay. And so my goal, I'm basically setting like a a goal of I'm gonna try and do it staying under age 35 is like my goal for the for the second gotcha. level. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so that's really only like two or three deaths. That's it. And the second level is like ridiculously hard and has like nine mini bosses in it. So it's, it's kind of insane. But anyway, just a quick note on Sifu. I am really digging it. I actually think a lot of people who listen to us would, would dig it as well. So if you have a PC or a PS5, 
I think it's worth grabbing. Yeah, my main hang up, I think, on Sifu, because I've been on the fence. I mean, review said it's it's really good, but in terms of like gameplay, I've heard it, like you said, Cameron, it plays a lot like a fighter, like a fighting game, um, like an arcade fighting game. And um, this block mechanic that you're talking about, right? Like having to be able to anticipate which way to like block and move so you could probably get an opening for a counter. Yeah, honestly, that stuff has been holding me back because I feel like I've just come off a run of playing really hard games and I kind of just want to play something I can just dump on. (laughs) You know, something that's just like way easy. I think the nice thing, just to to quickly interject Mm -hmm. on that, is that it's like a bite-sized version of that. Right. And so, so... That makes it to me like digestible because it's so there's just not very much there, yeah. and so you're really just kind of repeating, um, just kind of these small, small sections. So there's definitely a challenge there, but I think you would, it's just so stylish, it's just so stylish yeah. and feels mm-hmm. so good that you want to continue to just go back in and, and play it like you're just inserting the quarter again right. and like playing the level, yeah, pretty cool. Um, I mean, it all, yeah, it all sounds great. Um, Sifu, yeah, Sifu. Um, well, Jake, what have you been playing? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I actually have been playing, speaking of, you know, getting tired of playing hard games. I've been playing Mortal Shell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you took a nice break from yeah, hard I took games. A nice Sweet. Break. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Mortal Shell. I've actually, it, it's, um, it's a really slow methodical combat compared to Dark Souls. It's a Souls like, um, I, I've been playing so many games that are older. I feel like recently that I kind of wanted to play something that looked a lot newer i just wanted for whatever you know visually like i just wanted to see something that looked really good and mortal cell does that. i mean it's a really good looking game um i've been playing that i'm still playing a lot of pokemon legends arceus um that's really my chill game just sort of wind down you know get through different story missions accomplish a different a few different things there as well um I booted up a few, let's see, indie games, too, to kind of give them a, a test out. One is Olegia, which is uh, kind of a weird game that Devolver published, I think, last year. I think it came out. That just came out on Game yeah, Pass, Yeah, it came right? out on Game Pass. Um, it's it's okay. I'm going to give it a little more before I decide if I want to continue moving forward with it. Um, let's see. I've got a few other things I want to do. There's one. I always forget the name of it. It's got a super random, weird, long name. It's like Lodos, Deficit, War, Hero, something or other. Here here we go. Record of Lodos, War, Deedlit, and Wonder Labyrinth. <laughs> if, I mean, we've, what the heck? I That tells me absolutely nothing about this game. Except watching <laughs> videos of it, it looks super dope. And it was on Game Pass. So that's one that... I'm giving it a try. I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm treading water exactly because I am really enjoying Mortal Shell. Um, but yeah, Elden Ring is pretty close. You're in the Elden Ring waiting room at this point, I kind right? of I mean, am in the Elden Ring waiting room at this point. Did you see the new Prisoner class that they showed? That game just looking just looking wonky <laughs> all around. <laughs> I mean, I saw it. I was like, yeah, this is pretty par for the course for this type of game. Yeah. <laughs> just like super weird. I was... I was pretty impressed by the uh, comparing the graphics between Dark Souls 3 and Elden Ring. I was like, yeah, that's looking real nice. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know if this was some like console warrior bowl or whatever it was, but a bunch of people were complaining that like, oh, Elden Ring like looks like Dark Souls 3. And so all these comparisons have been floating around. It's like it clearly does 
look so much better than Dark Souls 3. This game's coming out like six years later. No, it it looks it looks really good. I mean, I'm also very excited for it. I am um I've also been playing, believe it or not, just just have to bring I mean, I've played eight hours of Dying Light 2 oh, as well. How how are those eight hours? Um Dying Light 2 is the best way I can describe it is the best seven out of ten game I've ever played. Nice. Which is not a shot at the game. It's just it's one of those games where it does a ton of things and they don't all feel like amazing and super polished. Right. But there's enough meat on the bone there that it's a nice kind of hearty gaming meal, so to yeah. speak, because there's just there's just a lot going on. There's like this heavy narrative, there's voice acting, there's like ray traced graphics, there's free running combat, like RPG progression tree, uh, like you do this crazy like parkour combat where like you punch a guy in the face and then you kind of spring off him and do a drop kick onto another yeah. guy. And it's got this whole parkour thing, which was like the big thing with the first game that just gets super crazy advanced where you're, you can do, you know, jumps onto these pads and then you can pull out like a glider and then glide up and then come down and like roll. And then you can just like bounce off. Anyway, it's, there's just a lot going on and I'm, I'm just, it's just a great, I think it's, it's enough of a change from like an Assassin's Creed style open world. Okay. Yeah. Check the boxes game that it, it kind of fills that void for me of that open world type game where just like just run around and do stuff because it feels good to do that like and go check the boxes that hasn't worked for me lately with like the assassin's creed type stuff because the formula is just so dried out but this adds just enough of an angle on that stuff Mm -hmm. that it feels fun it's also four-player co-op so (laughs) i'm interested potentially to get into that Mm -hmm. with with some of you folks out there and and play some co-op but yeah I've, i've been pleasantly surprised by it that was also kind of on the fence reviews that were out there, but been bouncing between that and uh, and Sifu and having a good time. But admittedly, it's it's only a matter of time here until Horizon Forbidden West, the PS5 monster, is upon us, and then I will be completely taken by that. So and that's and then Elden Ring hits like a week later. So then I'm kind of screwed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm screwed. I think. Man, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, um, like the big destiny two expansions coming out. Um, I've been, I've been starting to feel that the itch to kind of hop back into destiny two and see what's happening there, but we'll see. I mean, there are so many games. I mean, I was just looking at the games because I'm my goal right now is to play a lot of short games too, because I'm just kind of in the mood for that. And, um, I know that I want to pair playing Elden ring with something that is very chill. So if I'm beating my head against the wall with a boss, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to play something chill. So I'm trying to decide. I finally bought Assassin's Creed Black Flag because it was on sale for way cheap on Xbox. So I have a few other games. I'm trying to decide, okay, which one of these games would be a good, you know, sort of opposite. And I might, I know Cameron and I have talked about this. Like, I feel like Cameron and I are the only people in the world who couldn't get into Outer Wilds. (laughs) It's back on Game Pass. Like, I know it's like this super intense mystery game, and I haven't read any spoilers, so I don't know, like, what the heck is going on, but I don't know. If you think that would be a good, chill, relaxed game to pair with something, (laughs) let me know. Let us know. 
that's the one I'm kind of drawn to the most. I think we should just do um, it. I think we should do it, Jake. It's I put an just I put it. like five hours into it, and I feel like I'm just close enough where I could just grind out and finish it. It's it's admittedly I'm kind of in the same camp as you, where I just I do not feel what everyone else feels, and maybe that's just because I haven't reached the end because I have super low gaming tolerance or whatever, but. I mean, I don't know. You play everything know. under the sun, and you didn't catch it. Didn't catch you either, did it? I played like thirty, forty-five minutes. Usually, my my rule of thumb with a game that I'm interested in is to play through the tutorial and what I understand to be like the first area up to the first boss or something like that, and then I feel like I can make a decision of like, okay, is this game going to be worth my time? Uh, Outer Wilds. It's really hard to apply that format to. I made it through the tutorial, uh, but. Yeah, from there, I don't know. Like, I just, I just want to understand why I either, I either want to understand the magic of the game and fall in love with it, like everybody else, or at least catch a glimpse of what the magic of the game is, and then like be like, you know what, this just didn't work for me. But I'm pretty unsatisfied with my play experience with it, so I'm excited to get back to it just to figure what the heck is all the rage here. We should try. We should try. I need to go back. Um... I'm like halfway through. I, I mean, I mean, the, the whole game is just, it's just exploring and finding cool stuff. I mean, that's all it is. So if you're right. not intrigued by the mystery at its core and the mystery is like kind of cool, but it's, it just wasn't enough to really get me hooked. It's, it's good, but to your point, it just didn't grab me. And I feel like it's a game that kind of has to grab you in order to see it through. But well, speaking of chill, chill games, uh, today's episode is on a little game called, uh, I say this every time it's not, no, they're not all little games. I'm sorry. Let me just, just clarify that a game, <laughs> a, 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 this happens to be an indie game, but a great game called unpacking. Uh, Jake, yes. how are we going to break this one down? We are going to talk about unpacking and our characteristic categories, our four categories of always. Sorry, guys. My brain is switching into Spanish. I was going to say our las categorías de siempre, right? Whatever that is in English. Um, that's what we're doing. And the first one of that is narrative. We will be talking about the story. And honestly, if you remember from our Game of the Year 2021 episode, this is an honorable mention for me because of what it's doing with our narrative. It's super awesome. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Number two is mechanics. So these are the, this is how we're interfacing with the game. This is essentially what we're doing, what the main puzzle idea is, because this is a puzzle game, and why that's satisfying, how that's satisfying, and what is expected of a player there. Third category is the gameplay loop. What's going to bring you back? What are the obvious patterns in a game, the obvious cycles that are sort of uh, entry and exit points for each play session? Uh, how do those work? How does this game keep you hooked? And then finally, impact on the industry. We will be doing a little speculation. We'll be thinking, okay, what are what are the notes that people are taking as they have seen this game, played this game? How is this going to influence players and devs in the future? So here we are unpacking. Uh, for me, this was a surprise hit. I mean, it looked cool, but seeing all the rave reviews, giving it an actual try for myself, really enjoyed it. What did you think of the narrative? What did you think of the story, Cameron? Because I know stories. Important I think this game you. hit for me because I feel like, and I could be wrong on this, but I feel like the people who made it are from the same generation that I am. Oh, uh, and yeah. so because of that, 
the environmental storytelling. This is where Jake's bringing his PhD hat today, ladies and gentlemen, in a big way. Uh, Putting it the, on, yeah. the environmental storytelling is very, very on the nose with this game. I mean, that is the entire storytelling medium other than, I think, a one-sentence introduction to each new level. Yeah, um, that's about but, it. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, if because of the generational, like, you know, when you see the high school room, and I'm, and this is obviously like, I think a, a girl or a woman or uh, who's, who's represented like as in the story. Mm-hmm. When you see the high school room, you recognize all the stuff and you see, oh, this is like yeah. a 2000s high school room. And then you see the college dorm and you're like, oh, this is a 2000s era, like college dorm room. And then it just kind of progresses, you know, through the different kind of major age up, you know, life progression phases of a person's life. And I think because of that, there's this emotional resonance that hits really hard, despite the story not really saying anything. I mean, you're just, you're literally unpacking boxes and taking stuff out and putting it into spaces in the room. That is it. That's and so it. it's kind of incredible from that standpoint, just how much emotion this game is able to evoke without really doing anything. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. I mean, so the game is really broken down to in different periods of the protagonist's life, you move to different rooms or different apartments or different houses. And each time you have to unpack all of your belongings. So you click on the box uh, to open it, you click on it again, and there's an item, and then you have to put it somewhere. And I, you know, part of the time you're like leaving 30 things on the bed, whatever it is, so you can figure out exactly where things to go. Um, and that's really it. You just go through these different chapters of this person's life. And like Cameron said, all pretty much all the story is being told in these items that come out of these boxes. And uh, part of, one of the most emotional threads, I think, is you see items from the protagonist's like childhood, and you see these items age through each chapter of this person's life. You see which items stay. You see which items go. Like I caught myself saying out loud, "Like, oh, they got rid of this." <laughs> you know, just just like moments of that. And I think Cameron really nailed it. Like a lot of these items, especially for people our age, we're in our thirties. Uh, we had these items. We recognize these items. And uh, like, for example, there's like a Game Boy Advance. There's a GameCube. There's controllers. Uh, there are other things. It's like, yeah, I, w- I had this. I remember having this in my, you know, college dorm. I remember having this in, you know, whatever it is. And so it's just really, really fun in that way. Some of the more interesting, I think, story mechanics is that Uh, There are other people in your life. So you do start, your first one is like, the first opening sentence is like, oh, finally, get my own room, right? And so you know that you're living alone. And then uh, there's one move early on in the game where you are moving in with a significant other. And this isn't too much spoilers, but I think this is the most rage chapter or level the entire game because you find (laughs) out that your significant other stuff, you can't move some of it. Some of it has to stay where it is. And so you are finding all these nooks and crannies where you have to shove all your stuff. As a player, you get crazy frustrated. And then you remember this, it's like a massive metaphor for like this person who I'm moving in with really actually doesn't want me to move into their life. And it becomes like this really emotional moment. Um, I won't spoil a few items that you have to place in areas that will drive you insane. 
Uh, one, because you're like, this logically doesn't make sense. And then you're like, oh, this is why I have to put this here because of what's happening. And so like Cameron said, it's super remarkable that so much of the story is being told without words, but it's being told through like, you know, the green shaded box where yes, you can place this here or the red shaded box where no, you can't put this here. Um, it's shaped so much by the different environments that I think people have lived in themselves and they can sort of see themselves. It's so easy to see yourself in this game in a lot of ways. Like, man, I remember making a move like this. Um, I remember having to get rid of some of this stuff or, or whatever it is. So a super, super remarkable game. Yes, this game is 100% environmental storytelling. It's the setting that is telling the story. And then your big role as a player in it is you have to interact with this environment. And you have to see what makes sense as you are unpacking your life. It's awesome. I love this way of telling a story. One of the reasons it's great is I think it, it does something that only video games can do. Um, in my opinion. And I think it's, you know, the more, the more that games lean into their medium and a member of our discord and long friend of the podcast was talking about this. Freddie go boom was mentioning, you know, how games, you know, just as a medium have their own methods for storytelling and indies are really where this shines. Like they lean into Mm-hmm. this ability to tell stories in a way that no other medium can. And this game just knocks it out of the park in that respect. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, man, there's just the, how they combine, you know, the mechanics of taking stuff through the different periods of your life. And then like you mentioned, like the whole where you're moving with the significant other and you, you know, there's not room because you have to work around, you know, the other person's stuff and you have to kind of navigate that. And you start to have realizations yeah. about what's happening and it allows you to kind of create this own narrative in your mind, but it does so, so effectively yeah. that it's, it's just great. And it just really works. Yeah. It's remarkable what people's things can say about the person, you know, and I think that's a big aspect of the storytelling here is we learn so much. You get so attached to this protagonist um, based on the things that they have and how they're placing those things and arranging their lives. In fact, I remember playing this game and um, my wife just got way into it. She was like, don't play it. Like she had, she, I remember she had like some stuff she had to do like uh, the week I was playing it. Cause it's a really short game and she has some stuff to do in the evening. And she was like, don't play unpacking until I get back. Cause I want to, she was like, I wanted to be a part of this. I want to see what happens with this person next. And so it's truly remarkable, I think, like how much of an emotional attachment this game can make on people, even people who wouldn't consider themselves gamers, you know, in terms of how invested we get with this person, because we are dealing with a very, we're dealing with very intimate aspects of their lives in the most subtle way possible. It's really hard. I mean, this game just grabs you, you know, and you can't really avoid it, I feel like. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's like the it's crazy how much emotional reaction you can create based off just seeing someone's stuff and how much you can Mm -hmm. learn about them just by seeing their room. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's incredibly well done and incredibly effective. I, I feel like other games do this, but because this game takes that, you know, narrative device and uses it 100%, it just really shines in a way that you just, you don't really think about normally. And I know that this happens in other games and in other, you know, movies and TV shows and stuff like that definitely happens, but you just don't notice it as much. And I think I appreciate this game for kind of bringing that narrative device to the forefront 
of a medium yeah. and kind of making it number one. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about mechanics, Jake. I mean, it's it's like you said, the game is literally unpacking. You have boxes on the floor. You move a little cursor around. Every time you click on the box, a new item will come out. And then you move your cursor around and you find like different spots along in the room and sometimes in multiple rooms. And you place that thing in whatever place you you deem fit to put it you can rotate it and so you have some choice of like where stuff goes so you can kind of make it Mm -hmm. your own in a way and so there's sort of this organizational mechanic that's that has that's kind of satisfying because you can you know it's essentially like putting the puzzle pieces together and and slightly where you're looking for the right place to put i mean just like any unpacking like you're doing your own unpacking where you're like getting stuff together and getting things organized there's that feeling of satisfaction once it's all together the one thing this game throws at you though is if you put something in the in the spot that it doesn't think is the right spot when you're done it will like flash that thing red yes and it'll tell you "Eh, this is not a good spot for this I did find there were some cases where I was like where the heck do I put this thing (laughs) yes oh my gosh (laughs) uh I think one of the things, too, there's a few, I mean, it's pixel art, and I think they actually do a really fantastic job of you being able to, like, visually understand what each item is supposed to be. I think there's maybe one potato peeler that I had to look up, and that was about it. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, when you've taken everything out of a box, and there's an incredibly satisfying animation for when a box is emptied, it gets folded up and then it like disappears. Oh man, the game's worth it just to look at that <laughs> 9,000 times, honestly. Um, yeah, like that was one mechanic, right? Tells you now you got to move this around. You got to find some space. And there, there are some ways to get creative. Uh, for example, you could put things under pillows, right? Uh, this is, this is really crucial for, uh, one level on the game. Um, putting stuff under the bed. Uh, you had to make sure you opened all the doors of the furniture, right? To make sure you found every single drawer. Rotating things was immensely important. Stacking things also immensely important to this game. Um, so that's something I found out I would do is like, hey, this game looks somewhat similar or these items look somewhat similar. I'm going to see if they stack. Oh, they stack? Amazing. So I can put a bunch right here like this. Um, and I honestly, that was a really good reflection of how we have to deal with some of the stuff like books, movies, game cases, for example. Those are things where it's like, oh, if this box has a ton of this, I'm just going to pack. Or I'm going to stack a ton of this. But yeah, the mechanics are relatively simple. Like Cameron said, you have a cursor, you move stuff around, you do a whole lot of clicking, you get rid of the boxes, and then you make sure that everything makes sense where it's supposed to go. And then you... Um, <clears throat> yeah, those are those are really the mechanics. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we're missing, no, uh, but not really. That's it. I mean, the, the gameplay loop is even simpler. I mean, it's just once you once that's all done, a little star goes off, and you click it, and you go to the next phase of their the person's life. Um, and there's like a little one sentence that shows the date, so you get an idea of like how old you know how many years has gone by into the next phase. But I mean, that's really it. And I think, I think that's the beauty of this game is really in its sheer simplicity. And we've talked about a lot of simple, like small indie games on this podcast. I think this is probably takes the cake in terms of like sheer simplicity, but it just works so well that it's, um, and it's amazingly that it works, it works on Xbox. This feels like it should be a PC game, but it's totally works on console and it's great. Yeah. Uh, 
it for a game that revolves around a cursor played really well on console or with a controller so i you know i have zero hesitation saying to anybody pick this up on whatever your platform of choice is because it's gonna work there yeah i know i um i mean honestly like I think, and I don't know where the developer is going to take this. I think this game has had really critical acclaim. Uh, I think it's done really well. Yeah. And so, I mean, this pattern, like this loop, I mean, you could really just create like a ton of new levels. You could create like, <laughs> and I don't know what they're doing or if they're going to do this or if they're going to make a sequel or a DLC, but you could do so many different versions of this with different types of protagonists where you say nothing about them and you tell stories with just hundred percent environmental t- storytelling. I think they've, they've really hit on something here. I don't, I don't know exactly, you know what they'll do with it or if they'll make something more advanced, but the sheer like simplicity of it. And then like we already talked about, you know, a, a ton is that that environmental storytelling just really hitting hard. I think, they could do so many different versions of this and I think they could make really cool things. I mean, they could make a, a guy version of this game and have a totally different feel to it and yet have kind of the exact same setup. Um, I mean, they could do different eras. They could do different like periods of time. Although the creators obviously are from our generation. So it makes, I mean, at least it feels like it. I haven't double checked or confirmed that I could be wrong on that, but I assume just because they're hitting the nuances so well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it would work if they tried to make different generations because it's just that evocative, <laughs> but maybe who knows? Um, what's the impact of this yeah. game on, on the industry, Jake? I feel like it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. Unpacking got lots. It, it, it placed on a lot of game of the year lists. Um, I'm, I just pulled up right now. Unpacking is Game Hub's game of the year 2021. So I mean, it even took game of the year for some uh, from some outlets. I mean, this game was super well received. People really loved it. It was incredibly fresh. Um, I think that this this game unpacking is like a game that I mention all the time. A short hike. It was the right length for the story that needed to be told. This game isn't very long. It's probably like four hours, maybe five. I don't know. Maybe even less. If you're really good at placing stuff, if you're good at unpacking things, it's less, right? Um, But a game like this really shouldn't be any longer. I know the devs uh, came out and they said that, no, we're not going to really add anything else to this game. We don't want to really change the, the narrative arc that's baked into the game. And this is sort of where it's going to be. And this is it. And I think they made the right decision there. And so I bring all that up because in terms of impact on the industry, I hope that one of the biggest takeaways is the size of this game. This The, the game is as long as it needs to be. It never overstays its welcome. It's always very enjoyable. It's always enthralling. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just keeping your attention for as long as it needs to. And so I think that's the number one way. Now, the other thing I want to mention is I read something fascinating about um, about unpacking, and that's there are 14,000 audio files in this game. And so the audio design, if you go back and play this or you play this for the first time, pay attention to the sound each item makes when you put it on a surface and then put it on a different surface and then take a new item and compare the sound between those two surfaces. They are all different. 14,000 audio files. And so to me, 
the the a level of attention to detail is what makes this game also stand out. And I think a lot of people will be paying attention to this. This is another argument for, hey, let game devs work on a game for as long as they need to because these, uh, these details really matter and they make a big difference. And in fact, um, this is uh, my last thought because I could just keep talking, obviously. It, but in fact, um, Unpacking got a ton of copycats. And I was looking through some of these copycats. They're like free-to-play mobile games. And none of them have the charm because the same charm as Unpacking because none of them have nearly the same level of attention to detail or passion about telling a story through this type of gameplay. And so impact on the industry, I think the biggest one is is that these indie games can be massive and really reach a lot of people because of how intimately aware they are of what their game can do and of all the details that they pour into them. Yeah, you can't replicate that kind of detail. Um, but yeah, no, I think industry-wise, this game sold 100,000 units in 10 days uh, from when it came out, and that was back in December. I'm sure it sold plenty more. It was also on Game Pass. I don't know what they're... I don't fully understand the Game Pass agreements. I know they're individual to each game, um, but I assume right. given the accolades that this got a lot of downloads on on Game Pass and a lot of playtime. So I know that the metrics, like the payouts for Game Pass are dependent um i think somewhat on like you know estimated sales but then it's also just total downloads like once you get the game live on the store so i mean just the sheer simplicity of it and like how successful it is like i i think the biggest thing i'd I'd love to see developers take away from this is again just that environmental storytelling just to bring that up again i just they nail it so hard and so well that i'd love to see more of that i i want more of these and if you have recommendations of stuff that does things similar to unpacking of games that really just deploy narrative devices that are unique to video games, obviously environmental storytelling is not unique to video games, but the combination of that with the game's mechanics obviously is what makes it work. Right. So if you've yeah. got more of those, you know, and you're listening, please DM us. We'd I'd either love to play more stuff like this. My wife also played it and had a great time. So Industry mm-hmm. wise, I want to see more. I want to see more, and I want to see. I think the biggest thing, and I, I bring this up a lot, but I'll just say it again. I want to see AAA studios do lean harder into the art form, mm. lean harder into the experiences that only video games can provide. Um, I want to see more of that. I think Deathloop takes us in a direction that's closer to that. I don't think it nailed everything that it was mm-hmm. trying to do. Uh, but I'd love to see more of that with AAA powerhouse backing. I realize that requires a lot of risk taking, but seeing, you know, these little games like this do so well and get so many in sales. Yeah. I mean, you saw what Stardew Valley, look how many copycats of that game there are now, right? I'm surprised. Right. I'm surprised the AAA developer hasn't tried to go after that space yet. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I'm actually kind of surprised too now that you mention it, but um uh, the farming sim, you know, th- that's not a niche anymore considering how popular Stardew Valley was. Really surprising a AAA studio hasn't tried to create some farming sim to compete. Farming simulator, is that a AAA game? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it makes you wonder <laughs> what other monotonous, incredibly stressful task can be turned into something so zen-like and beautiful in a video game. There's probably a lot. 
Probably. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. And we've mentioned this before. You can you can really hone in on something highly specific for your game and still get really good results and make an awesome game, right? Unpacking stuff can be really stressful. It's something that we can all relate to. Yeah, this game turns it into something that's so delightful because it is so entertaining and you get so engrossed with how these people are handling their lives and moving forward in their lives. So yeah, what what would be another, I don't know, I don't know. Well, Jake, any other thoughts about unpacking a little shorter episode today, but but a smaller, much smaller game than usual, but uh, but that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Short games are good. Um, and I don't think I have anything else to say about unpacking, except it's, from what I remember, it's on all major platforms. I mean, give it a go. It's a fun time. It's a good time. Um, I know for uh, my spouse and I, it was just a good conversation to be having for a week honestly talking about the game and talking about the protagonist and what we felt like was going on well with that ladies and gentlemen this has been another episode of the pre-order bonus podcast talking unpacking fantastic game it's on game pass check it out please follow us on twitter at pre-order cast follow me at mass generic jake at Jacob underscore chip tip 18. You can also find us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash cast where we have extended edition episode or extended edition versions of most, almost all of the episodes that we do. Uh, but if not that we have me and Jake doing kind of one-off episodes talking about games that we play that the other person couldn't get to and sometimes jake's playing a lot of games a lot of indie games that i don't get to and so he's talking about those so if you want that extra content you can go to patreon.com you can become an all-access patron for five bucks a month get all that extra content we're doing on the weekly or if you just like this our stuff and you just want to give us a tip there is a one dollar a month tier which gets you the podcast the regular podcast 24 hours early go find us on there the other thing that you can do to help us out if you don't want to do any of that, which is completely fine, leave us a review. Uh, the more review, mm-hmm. like good, solid reviews that we get, if you like our stuff, it, that really helps us to get seen on you know all the podcast services, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all over, uh, and just helps us get more people discover us and uh, and get our podcast out there. Last but not least, the Discord channel. I already mentioned I need your help to defend. <laughs> games <laughs> please join the discord link is in the description we appreciate all of you and have a great night